That was a smack in the face. Like, I'm going to have to redo everything. I've done this my whole life, and I can't even do two push-ups. Like, I died, basically, and was trying to struggle to come back to life. You got to have a strong backbone. You got to have been raised on, like, some morals, too, to not break under that pressure. Hi, and welcome to the Finding Balance podcast. I am your host, Dr. Adrian Mesa. Today, I had the pleasure of having boxing coach, model, and motorcycle enthusiast Cameron Adams on the podcast. Cam's enthusiasm and appreciation of life comes from the fact that he literally rose from the dead after suffering from a horrible motorcycle accident. It was a pleasure to have him on, and I hope you guys enjoy. You just said your mom's a psychotherapist. My mom is a psychotherapist. So you, she actually, my mom, you know the joke, like, yeah, your mom goes to college. Your mom went to college. Yeah, my mom went back to college when I was in college. So it's pretty cool. Um, and, uh, you know, my brother kind of fell in those footsteps of her. And um, let's see, but he he had to take a. I'm just gonna go. You know, yeah, go gonna, go I'm off. Gonna, um, so my brother actually just he's on his second year sober. He was in rehab in uh, God. Where did they put him in rehab in um, Arizona? Okay. Yeah. So he was in rehab uh, for a year and a half, two years. Now he's two years sober. Um, which is cool because he's a totally different person. I know my brother prior to sobriety, and then I know my brother sober, and it's a totally different person. Why? Yeah. And what, in what way would you say he was different? What was his life like prior to sobriety, and then what what has his life he, been like since treatment? Um, let's see. Where do I start with him? Um, my brother, you know, he he it wasn't that he was, you know, he didn't fit in. You know, he was he was athletic, into sports. He just was, like, a little bit quirky. You know, he didn't fit in, like, with the popular crowd, and everybody was always comparing him to me. Everybody's like, you're, Cam, you're Cam's little brother. So he never was able to develop his, his own, you know, persona, mm-hmm. uh, I feel like, maybe. And, um, and then, you know, went to college, and then I, you know, I joined a fraternity. I was the pledge class uh, social chair and president. Um, so I held like higher positions. And then when your brother goes through, you know, they they harass him a little bit more. Mm-hmm. You know, the pledging process at Ohio State is like pretty, you know, you go through a lot with it. Well, what are some things that they, they do to you while you're pledging for a fraternity? It's like uh, there's... Yeah. There's not only just, like, physical, like, you know, if you're, you go to, I don't even know what the weekly meeting is called. I can't even remember. Like, that whole thing is, like, a glip in my memory. Mm -hmm. Um, But my brother, uh, you know, well, I'm going back to my brother. He went through it. But when, you know, when you're pledging, you're going through, like, abuse, not only just physically, um, like you, you're staying in the front house, staying up all night, multiple days in a row. You're, you're trying to keep your studies in line. Uh, you're, they're wanting you to party and drink like all the time. Um, and, uh, and then going through the whole process, like when you go through those weekly meetings, you know, you have to memorize all the stuff. And then if you don't get it right, you're harassed. They call you names. They throw beers at you. Like. So you're standing as, like, a freshman in front of, like, a whole fraternity. 
and they're all drunk and they're like berating you. Um, so my brother, you know, my brother got it pretty hard. Um, and I think that probably was part of like the, that slide into alcoholism. You know, fraternities are big for drinking and for partying sure. and everything else under the sun. So I think he, you know, like I said, I think he just got it really hard. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't, you know, hadn't figured himself out yet. So I think, you know, that, you know, drinking was an easy way to, you know. It's an escape. Yeah. How did you see him? Like what? Again, so what were some of the things that he was experiencing in his life as a result of the alcoholism? Um, he, honestly, I mean, he's a bright kid. Yeah. Like, he's super bright. I remember coming home from school and I was struggling and, and, and you know, struggling to get B's, you know. And my brother is coming home playing video games, doesn't study at all, aces the test. And my parents are like, you know, like, what? <laughs> like what you know like Collins Ace and all this stuff like what's up I'm like yeah I'm trying I'm up I'm up until midnight studying for for my tests and I'm just like I don't know yeah I don't know he, he he's gifted like he's like he's got that bright you know yeah for sure yeah and, I, and you could be the brightest person in the world but if you start falling into the world of alcoholism it'll definitely impact you negatively yeah um, and so what I'm assuming that you saw some changes in his personality. Maybe he got, did he get into any legal trouble or? He, uh, let's see. And if you don't want to talk about this, no. we could jump. It's fine. No, it's cool. no, no, I totally understand. Like, I'm totally, I'm totally open. My brother's very, my brother's very chill now, like on a totally different kick. Yeah. Um, he, uh, gosh, I remember he, I was already gone. I was out of the house at this point. I had moved to New York or I was somewhere else and overseas. Um, and uh, I think the major, like, when it happened, it was post my accident. Mm -hmm. That was when my parents found out. So my parents got, like, slammed two years in a row. And my brother is drinking every day. My mom's finding trash bags of beer cans, white claws, bottles in his room. Um and he's getting his master's in psychology mm. and psychotherapy. I'm just like, like I said, he's bright. He was able to drink all the way through mm. and pass everything. But it got too serious and he got to the point where, you know, they had to put him in rehab because he, you know, it was too far, too far gone. Um, so you weren't really involved in his life when he was, you said you were, you were away? I was, I've been, I've been gone since I was 20. I would come back to Ohio like once a year, um, but I left at 20 to New York. Um, and back then, I didn't really notice anything. You know, my brother was in college. I had dropped out after my sophomore year. Um, and so I, back then, it was like, you're in a frat. You know, you're drinking. You're drinking with the boys. Yeah. Drinking with the boys all the time, you know. Um, but I didn't notice, and then I was out, and I was all, all over the time zones of, of the planet, like, you know, everywhere. Um, and my brother and I kind of, we never really were super close until like, we're the closest we've ever been now. Um, but before we would like check in, we would share music. Um, so I didn't know like how bad or what he was going through. And my parents really had no idea until, like I said, a couple of years ago after my accident. Then it like really took a turn. Um, 
and he was still managing to get his masters and um but then they would find like there would be this thing that thing like my mom you know your mom mom always knows she they have like an inkling like my dad working kind of was just like okay hearing my mom hearing my mom out um and then uh gosh where did it turn he uh accident happened he still was super you know driven with things like he set up a gofundme that raised like fifty thousand dollars while i was in the hospital you know talking to everybody dealing with the stress of that dealing with like the pressure of my parents and and his masters and everything you know so he was able to handle it really well but then at a certain point it just you know he called me i remember i was this was like about a year after my accident he called me and he was like uh hey cam i'm like hey calm what's up or i would say hey bud calm bud and he uh he was like i gotta i gotta tell you something i was like tell me and so he was like I'm here with one of my friends, and she thinks that you know I need you know I need help. Mm. I was like, okay. So like, what's up? What's going on? And he he was like, I have a drinking problem. I was like, okay. Like how bad? Like how bad is it? He's like, yeah, I you know I can't stop drinking. I'm like drinking all day, uh, and you know I wake up, I drink. I drink till I go to sleep or till I pass out. Um, finds time to study, manage, work a little bit in between. Um, and so he, I was like, he was like, I don't know how to tell mom and dad. I don't know what to do. I was like, let me let me talk to them first and tell them to like and like break break the ice with them mm-hmm. so that they can handle it. They can sleep on it. Um, and then you can call him the next day. So that night I called him and I was like, look, Colin called me. Like he has a, he thinks he has a drinking problem or he knows he has a drinking problem. And, uh, and I was like, just sleep on it. Like think it through. And my mom was like, I, I knew it. I knew it. Like I knew it. Um, so I was like, yeah, but give him like sleep on it. Now you have the information. Now you know what's going on. Sleep on it. And then tomorrow, you know, I told him to reach out to you guys. So that kind of all happened. My parents had him uh, move back in home, at home in Cincinnati. Um, and then, let's see. And then they were like, yeah, well, he can do it here. So he was, you know, working. My parents were like, you know, he had access to the car. They were like, okay, he's got to go to work. He's working, and then comes back home, and you know they thought like it was under control. They could control it. They were monitoring him all the time, and somehow he was managing to slip in drinks and get it in, you know. And then they it came to a head where like they found him. He was like passed out behind a gas station, something. And the cops were there with him and. And uh, my parents had to go, like, pick him up, like, and that was, like, the that was, like, all right, we need to get him, like, serious help. So they put him in this facility out in, uh, like, this rehab out in, 
um, Prescott, Prescott, Arizona. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was good for him. It's a total sober community. So no matter whether it's alcohol or drugs or, you know, whatever else you're caught up in. Um, and that really helped him, like, be around, you know, in a sober living community. Everybody's sober. Everybody's battling something. Mm -hmm. So it gives you, like, another perspective. And, and then you're working with a therapist. So, you know, I think that, I think it was tough because he like, he's psychoanalyzing himself. Of course. You know. But, yeah, now he's good. Now he's, like, a ray of light. I've never seen him so happy, like, every day, all day. I was like, <laughs> I don't know you, dude. Who are you? You know, but it's cool. It's actually amazing. And do you know what population he's working with now? He was working with, he was actually working with kids that were struggling with alcoholism. There you and go. Stuff like that. So interesting yeah. how, how so many of us end up kind of facing our demons head on. Something that debilitates you then becomes your strength and you're able to turn around and help other people that are struggling with the same issues. Yeah. And because now you have a lived experience, um, you feel better equipped because you can relate and you can empathize and you can have compassion for the person sitting across from you and say, hey, I know what you're going through. Yeah. And needless to say, regardless, like it doesn't mean I have to go through the exact same. Like for me to work with somebody who's recovering from alcoholism doesn't necessarily mean that I have to be somebody who's also in recovery. Yeah. Although oftentimes it is um, with the addiction community, with people who work with people who are, um, yeah, who work with substance abuse. Um, I'm just a firm believer that all of us have been through something at some point, right? And if you can have compassion and empathy for the person sitting across from you without being judgmental, then you can help. Yeah. And I'm sure, I'm sure that's what he's doing, you know? Sure, that's what that's cool. That's and a lot of times that feels like your calling. It feels like that that is what is driving you. That is where your sense of purpose comes from. Um, so it's it's pretty cool that your your brother. Thank God, right? Thank yeah. God that your brother's overcome. Thank God that he's had this, a strong support system. Um, that your parents were there for him, and that he was able to find a, a sober community to to help him through it. Yeah. It's pretty dope. Yeah, it's so amazing. You, you mentioned your accident multiple times. Um, I'm not even, there's no spoiler alerts here. I want you to kind of walk me through this, um, this accident, okay. um, and how it impacted you. What was your life like before? And what was the result of the accident afterwards? Okay. <laughs> no um, pressure. No, <laughs> no pressure. Spotlight on. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. Yeah. I mean, the accident, I've taught, it's funny, you know, this is like a totally different way of talking about of it here. You know, I'm flattered to be here on this podcast with you. Well, let me um, let me just say on. first and foremost that I didn't even know who you were, right? Yeah. Um, I just approached you in Anatomy two or three weeks ago. Yeah. Um, because I had already been following you, yeah. and I had just seen you popping up everywhere. Um, I went to Lionheart. I worked with CJ. Um, we did a little <laughs> event there, and I was like, okay, this is a dude named Cam. No idea who he is. Cool. Yeah. Then I see an ad for like Rumble or for a different gym. I think you're Rumble, Gotham, Anatomy, yeah. Lionheart, anywhere yeah. else. And then, <laughs> and then you do privates, right? And privates, yeah. So you're, and you're a boxing coach. Yeah. So I kept on seeing you pop up and I'm like, who's this guy? Like, and then I saw you at the gym and I said, what's up to you? And I, I told you the same thing. I was like, hey, Cam, you're everywhere. What's up with you? And then you started telling me about how you walk sometimes now because your bike was broken or whatever the hell was going on yeah and we'll get to that in a second but i was just really impressed with um with your character 
with how how much exposure you were getting just from doing the work. Yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm honored to have you here. And then it. on top of that, you posted a reel talking about the accident. So we'll get back to that now. Yeah. And so that's when I was like, whoa, like I need to hear this guy's story. Um, and I think there's no better place to do it here because now I get to share it. We get to share it with whoever wants to listen. So it's pretty dope. Yeah. No, this is like this is awesome. It's a cool platform to speak on. You know, Thanks, man. I spoke on. Yeah, you know, I spoke on a panel, but this is like this has a greater reach. The panel is like a hundred people. This is cool because, you know, we can spread this everywhere. Yeah. Dope, man. Yeah. So tell me a little bit again. Back to the question I asked you about the accident. What was life like before? What happened, and then what was life like afterwards? So before, like leading up to the accident, I was. I was living on the edge already. I was I was coaching a million classes. I was training some clients. But I was keeping, there was a gym called Fight Club. They actually just demolished it, Brayman bought it. Um, but it was like a grungy, like, uh, the classroom, no AC, like 80 bags, 80 to 100 bags. We would have on, you know, prime time on Monday and then on Saturdays, the back-to-back classes, the 10 and the 12, we would have like anywhere from 80 to 100 people in front of you. Like no AC, no mic, you know, a whistle, and you're yelling and then demoing and you're sweating your life away. It was a vibe. Like honestly, like no matter how grungy and dirty it was, everybody just loved it because it was no frills. It was cool. Um, but... Uh, yeah, so I was coaching. Everybody left. A bunch of the trainers left and then had, like, they went to another gym that's, you know, a couple blocks away. Um, even the management from Fight Club left and went there. So, like, nobody was there. Um, you know, the owner was a, we'll put it, he's a, he was kind of a piece of work uh, <laughs> in a nice way. And uh, so they went over there, and I just didn't, I didn't want to go over there. You know, I didn't, the vibe didn't really fit for me. And so I kind of, like, took advantage. I was like, yo, I'll, I'll coach. I, he had nobody else. I was like, I'll coach them all. I'll coach all the classes. So I was coaching, like, there was one other trainer, uh, one other coach. He would coach, like, a couple. But I was coaching, like, some days, like, five classes in that hot box. Like, when I say hot box, I mean, like, I'm sweating through a pair of shoes oh, coaching wow. one class. So then, like, sometimes, like, I bought, like, three other pairs of shoes just for the classes, you know. To, <laughs> to swap them out. Yeah, I'm going to run through a pair. I want to put on some fresh shoes for the next class. Run through it again, run through it again. It was it was great. But it was a vibe. I was, like, it, you would get, like, I would get, like, a high after that class from just coaching it, like, being in front of, like, that many people. Like, and it was just raw and, like, everybody's yelling and hear the bags hitting. It was cool. Um, but back to it. Like, I was... I was like, I was coaching all these classes, and then I was partying on the weekends. Um, you know, usually twice a week. And then I like, it's like, I was just running through it. I was living on the edge, like, for so long. When you say partying, what, what do you mean? I would go out, like, I would go out hard, though. I would go out, party, like, you know, drink a lot, you know, go out late until like probably four in the morning. That would be weekend nights. During the week, there's no way that would have happened. Gotcha. But, like, weekend nights, like Friday, Saturday, I would usually go out both nights. I was just living, you know. And, 
but I was making good money because I was coaching all those classes. Yeah. But I was like, yo, you need to recover at some point, dude. And then it was just like that. <laughs> then I just hit the wall. I, I ended up uh, getting in that accident. Um, so what kind of, so you've said the accident so many times. What accident? I know it happened on the Venetian Causeway. What, what was the accident? I was coming back from uh, meeting some friends. And I was coming back on the Venetian Bridge. And back then they didn't have, back then, <laughs> It'll be four years in March. Um, but then it was, they they had, uh, you know, they always have the bike lane there. Mm. But they had a, you know, now they have the bumpers. They have the bumpers. So not only is the car noticing, but, like, if you're on a motorcycle, you can't cross it into the bike lane to cut around a car. Gotcha. But back then, they didn't. There was no bumpers. So I would just, if the car was going 20 miles per hour, I'm going to go on the bike lane instead of going in oncoming traffic. I'm going to cut in the bike lane, and I'm going to zip past, and then I'm going to cut right back in, mm -hmm. and everything's cool. Um, it was like 2 in the morning. There was a bicyclist there riding in the middle of the night, you know, and uh, I didn't even notice that he was there. I didn't see him. Clipped him. Uh, and then lost control of the bike. The bike went flying. I wasn't wearing a helmet. You know, and that is like, you know, that's that could go two ways, that, that, which is crazy. Um, not wearing the helmet if you've now they've made motorcycle helmets like the one that I have right now. Super light. They're super durable, super strong um, and they're light. Four years ago, motorcycle helmets like, you know, for a sport bike, they're heavy, mm -hmm. a lot of padding. Um, made out of like heavier materials to make it durable um, and uh, so if I had had that on I had ended up having a C2, C3 fracture in my neck you know there's a chance that if I had had that on I could have you know broken my neck fully with the weight of the whip lash um, but no helmet uh, split the top of my head open I uh, was like bleeding out, heart flatlined. So luckily, luckily they got there in time because, you know, then after five minutes, that's what somebody told me. After five minutes, you know, your body's system starts shutting down, starts shutting down organs and other vital functions. Um, so they, in that five-minute window after me flatlining, they were able to restart my heart get me stable enough to be able to rush me to Jackson. Um, and, you know. So they actually resuscitated you. Do you know if it was on the street or in the ambulance? But it was before heading back to the hospital. Yeah, it was before heading back to the hospital. And I was a big guy back then. Yeah. I mean, I was, I'm 190 now. I was 215. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that also, like, braced the impact. My body was able to handle it. But they had to break like five or six of my ribs to like get to my heart. Yeah, when they were doing chest compressions, that's yeah. pretty common. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think I'm with everybody. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then uh, got me back to stable, and then rushed me to Jackson. Thankfully, Jackson is great for trauma. Yeah. So you go to Jackson Trauma Center. How long were you? Do you? When do you actually come to? How many days after the accident did you realize? Oh shit, I'm alive. Um, I was in a horrible accident. Like, 
yeah, when you came to, what was going on around you? How did you reorient yourself? Yeah, I mean, they, okay, so they put me in a coma. They put me in a coma because my brain was so swollen and I was having bleeding up there. And that, you know, they were like, if he, you know, if it, there's any more bleeding, he's not going to make it. So they put, they induced me into a, a coma. Uh, I was in the coma for, what did they say, six days? Coma for six days. And uh, then when they brought me back to, um, I don't have new memories for about two weeks. So I was apparently awake in the hospital talking to my parents, and they were like, I, you know, so relieved that I was. I mean, the The doctors never told my parents that they induced me into the coma. They, <laughs> so my parents were like, well, hopefully he wakes up. Like, they just assumed like they were like just waiting, waiting. And then, um, and then, you know, after six days, they brought me back too. And, uh, gosh, I, I was like a loose cannon. I was all over the place. You know, I was running my mouth. I, I, you know, I, I have a little bit of a filter. I like, I don't really have a huge filter as a person anyways. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but like, this was like another level. It came in, it was a thought, and it came out of my mouth. Like, <laughs> nothing. Um, and uh, so, my, I, I, you know, thinking about it, my, my, my mom was, like, relieved that you were so funny because you were just, like, the wildest things you were saying. So, like, <laughs> we found, like, a silver lining of hope, like, of happiness in, like, in that time where we were so sad. She was, like, the stuff that was coming out of your mouth was just having us in tears laughing. So that was good. Um, but, yeah, after coming to, I was in rehab for a little while. Uh, I had the, the biggest thing was, the biggest thing was um, relearning, like, like re basic, like, motor functions and stuff like that. Um, tell, me, tell me a little bit about that. You lose function. You're somebody who's very physical. Yeah. Uh, you're training people to hit bags. You've been boxing for how many years of your life? Eight years. So then, Nine and years. then all of a sudden, it's shut off. Yeah. And now you're forced to relearn. What does that feel like when your brain is telling your body to move a certain way and it's not happening? It's. It was frustrating. Is what it was. I was, you know, because I was in a neck brace. Still, I was in a neck brace in the hospital. I was in a neck brace for six months after that till my neck fully healed, C2, C3 fracture. And um, I I knew, like, if I could work out, like, I could get back quicker. Like, I could get back to normal. I could get back to functioning more normally. Um, so, like, not being able to, like, train or do anything, I just had to be a couch potato for, like, six months. I was like, that's what you're telling me? Like, and that was driving me mad in itself. And working out, I mean, as you know, like it's, it's therapy for everybody. For sure. You know, it's a dopamine release in your brain. Like all, you know, you get like, you know, you know it makes you feel good. Of course. All those feel good endorphins, chemicals in your body. Those, that reaction, I couldn't, I couldn't take advantage of it. So for me, that was like, 
that was the hardest part, like just being sedentary. I didn't even I didn't even have to like go back to like coaching at that point. I was like, let me just work out. Mm -hmm. I just want to work out. I'm going crazy. Um, but yeah, and then from there, um, from there, like I I just had to focus on my brain because that was the only option. So I was like, I I was in therapy. Um, I was going down to therapy at a Baptist because um, the therapy was a little bit better. What Jackson. Were, what were the therapy sessions like for you? I was doing, I remember I went in and I did speech therapy and I did speech and um, occupational. So, so it was more fine. So speech, why speech though? Because speech the brain was, injury had affected you so much that you were having difficulty talking? Or? Like I could speak. Um, it was definitely a little bit slower. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was, okay. So I remember the first day that I went in there, I went in and she told me like a story about Joe, Joe Schmo, whatever. And, uh, okay. Joe has a cat and blah, 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 mm -hmm. all the stuff about him, you know, red car. And, uh, and then at the end of the session, they're only like 30 minutes and the session, she's like, all right, tell me about, tell me about the guy. I couldn't even remember the dude's name. <laughs> I couldn't even remember his name. So I was like, uh, she's like, do you remember any details? And she's like, do you remember what, like, you know, color car he had or like, you know, what pet? And I was like, nothing. Blank. Blank. Absolutely nothing. So that to me was like, oh, wow. I can't remember anything. My memory is gone. This is going to come back. <laughs> And then right after that session, I went to occupational. So it's a 30-minute and then a 30-minute, okay. uh, just in different rooms. Occupational, the thing that I remember the most from occupational probably is, like, uh, they gave me directions to to bake a cake. And that was banana bread. Mm -hmm. To make banana bread. And they had, like, I had all the stuff in front of me. They have, like, this, like, kitchen in there and... So I, you know, you take the egg, crack the egg, like do all the stuff and then, you know, make the banana bread. And like, I remember all the ladies in the office being like so excited, like, is he going to make the banana bread? Because they just wanted to eat it. Yeah. <laughs> They're not worried about yeah. you getting better. They're yeah, just like, yeah. we're hungry. Bro. Yeah. They're like, can you hurry up, bro? Yeah. Come on, let's go. So, uh, yeah. So like occupational was definitely more like just, you know, motor skills, stuff like that. But I was going to that for multiple months just to get back to like normal and then it got to the point where speech was i didn't speech therapy was like not as important and then it was more so like the occupational motor skills stuff like that gotcha do you remember physical therapy when you were learning to walk again i don't remember even learning to walk like i have the video on my instagram okay but i don't even remember that i don't remember like them like walking me down you know down the hallway at the the yeah. hospital you suffered a traumatic brain injury I, that that's what happened and so that's why when you mentioned things like the 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 funny and impulsive things that you were saying you had damage to your frontal lobe your frontal lobe is kind of what controls that, that's that filter right because you're able to to really um have some judgment right and that's where you're you're like oh no don't say this in this situation <laughs> you're at a bar you're having drinks the frontal lobe is kind of shut shut down a little bit. You can be a little bit loose maybe around your friends when you're in a frat. Yeah. But then all of a sudden, you have this traumatic brain injury. You have the swelling. You have the trauma. And now you don't have that impulse control. 
Um, you know, uh, maybe you see a nurse that walks in, she's young and she looks good and you won't think twice and you smack her on the ass, <laughs> right? Yeah. Ma maybe something like that I'm happened. sure. I'm sure that happened multiple times. <laughs> and so this it's also common with frontal lobe dementia. You'll see an elderly man. This is a, this is a state board test question where there's an elderly man. Um, the, the grandma comes in, starts reporting the behaviors of her husband, um, and she tells you about a scenario where they went to the mall, um, and then she found the grandfather sitting at a table trying to flirt with young women. And it's like, <laughs> what might be the diagnosis, you know? And it's like frontal lobe dementia. So it's it's just funny that um, it's crazy to experience that. I'm sure it sucks that you can't remember it, but I'm I sure know. if I asked your mom or your father, they'd be here just telling stories for a while. Yeah. For sure. That's cool, man. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's, it's it's bizarre to know that you had to learn to walk again. And still that whole, how long was it before you walked after the accident, you know? I don't even know, actually. Yeah, so it's know. probably a period of time where you just completely don't have the memories because there was no recall. Yeah, I was um, just sedentary in that bed most of the time. Yeah, because I had broken so much stuff. I broke my wrist. I had broken my clavicle. Um obviously i broke my skull <laughs> wide open <laughs> <laughs> how long was it before so how long was it until you were actually training again i got the neck brace off six months after you know i asked the doctor i remember i remember being in the hospital and like they just did all the scans they scanned my neck um they're like you're good to go i just came in you're good to go i was like really so like <laughs> they're like they took it off and I'm like, so I can pitch this thing? I don't need this? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, you're good to go. I was like, how good to go, though? Like, is there, like, is there a but? But you can't do. Yeah. I was like, can I put headgear on and get punched in the head? <laughs> that was like, that was like, the, that was the telltale. Like, yo, okay, it's good. Yeah. They were like, yeah, you can do whatever you want. I was like, no way. It's fully healed. Sweet. So then that day, I actually went to, I went to Fight Club. And I went and I worked out. I, 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 you tried let, to let's out. not call it a workout. <laughs> let's not call it a workout. I tried to work out. I like could do maybe two push-ups, and I was just like, wow, that was a smack in the face. Like I was like, dang, I'm going to have to redo everything. I've done this my whole life. I've done training my whole life, like, and I can't even do two push-ups. Yeah. For every day that a patient is laying in bed, I think they lose like 2% of their muscle mass. Oh, Cow. Yeah, it's a huge percentage for every day that you lay there. The atrophy that occurs is like quick. Whoa. What it takes you months to build up to, yeah. you'll lose it in days. That's wild. Which is bizarre. Now, you could still recover and come back, especially if you're somebody who, who has been active. Yeah. But the, the amount of loss that you experience, it's it's pretty impressive. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, it took me a hot minute. Too. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm sure that first workout, you were just gassed. Yeah. So, All right, I was like 30 minutes now. Okay, we're done. <laughs> um, what did you learn from that accident? Hmm. Honestly, like it took me, you know, it took me a minute to like really, like for that stuff that I learned from it to set in, mm -hmm. you know? It wasn't like I recovered and then it was like, all right, wow, I learned like, I learned this. I learned all this stuff. Like, all right, I'm a better person for it. No. It was like, I was 
even though I was back coaching classes, my fuse was like minute. I was like non-existent. I uh, and I had no empathy. That was a weird. That was a weird. That was a weird part of it, really. That I had no empathy. Like I. So it was like irritability, anger control, and just like apathetic. Like not really. Yeah. The weird part was too that I I remember telling my parents like I don't know I was like I know I'm supposed to care like about you guys I know I'm supposed to like feel love uh, but I didn't feel anything it's not like I felt depressed like I felt I was just like whatever da 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 every day that type of thing you know like I couldn't work yet really um, I was just trying to get physically back in shape so I could you know be back I was still in therapy then too after the neck brace got off. But I was like, I remember telling them, like, I don't know what's wrong with me. Like, why do I not, like, if I think about you passing away, like, why do I not feel anything? Mm. I was like, in my heart, I don't, like, I don't feel anything. I was like, that's weird to me. Mm. That sounds like psychopathic, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Sounds like a psychopath. Mm. But uh, then you, eventually it came back. You were know? you on medications or anything that were kind of numbing what you were feeling? Yeah, I was on... Uh, Gosh, I know. I mean, you can ask to be off of anything that they give, you know, that they put on you. So, um, one of the ones that really had a like threw me for a loop was gabapentin, the yeah. nerve blocker. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's like a small amount of people that have a really bad reaction. Mm-hmm. Like I had everything. I had like massive swells, pimples on my body, like painful, and I was like, I was a nut. Do you, do you remember if they had you on gabapentin? Um, was it for for pain? Was it a uh, for, was it for seizures? Do you know why you were on gabapentin or not really? Maybe really for know. mood stabilization because you did say you were having these ups and downs in your mood. Yeah, but that was what made me like that. The gabapentin threw me off. Okay, like the gabapentin was making me like I. Gosh, I was like slightly. I'm always I've always been happy, but I was like slightly like wild up one time that I was like threatening to jump off the balcony mm. you know so I was like that stuff was having a weird reaction for me I know it's a very slim I mean it's no it's not it's very rare yeah. that it gets that extreme mm-hmm. but yeah I had like all the symptoms of it I was like I need to get off this yeah just for people who are listening gabapentin can be used for what's called neuropathic pain so any deep nervous system pain Sometimes when diabetics, um, they lose feeling in their periphery and then they get this very deep pain also. They might put them on gabapentin. Um, Seizure prevention, they could put you on gabapentin. Um, And then also um, just as a mood stabilizer. So if you're having these mood fluctuations where you're up and down, up and down, sometimes with patients um, with um, bipolar disorder, uh, anger issues or severe anxiety, um, they could use gabapentin. But just like anything, there's side effects. There's side effects. And for you, you probably just had a, what what's called a, a paradoxical response where you're having the opposite reaction where it's making you angry, it's making you irritable. Um, like I said, I mean, it's it's a medication. There's side effects. Not everybody responds the same. Yeah. Any other medications you remember being on? No, actually, I don't really remember no. what else. I remember, I, I just know in the hospital, I was like, look, I don't want to be on much stuff. Like yeah. my parents were like, yeah. And I had a friend there, and I was just like, they were like, yeah, like he's like, he doesn't like to 
take, take anything. Yeah. You don't even like to take Advil. Like that's how I've been. You know, like if if I have a headache, like I'm I'm not gonna take Advil. Like I'm just gonna deal with it. How can I naturally help that? You know, I'm probably dehydrated, so I'm gonna have electrolytes. I'm not just gonna drink water, like stuff like that. Yeah. So what? So I, I know you said it took you a while before you learned anything. What What did you learn, or what? So what, I what came through as a result of the accident. I uh, I learned how to like just slow down a little bit. You know, I was going so fast. I was not present at all. Um, I was just focused on the next thing and the next thing. And everybody knew that about me. Like when I would stop at like my friend's juice bar, they would be like, I would grab a shot, a ginger shot, and then I, I would be like out the door. And like that's like what they knew. They were like, Cam's just on to the next, on to the next, on to the next. So I had no time to like be present with not only myself, but like other people. You know, like, so for me, that was like, dang, like, I'm just, it's like your, your body just moving through time, like, not picking up anything. So, you know, the accident after I went through the therapy and everything, um, I actually picked up meditation. I had this app and I had paid for it and I never was using it. You know, I paid like a yearly subscription to it. Uh, it's called waking up. I have it. I still use it. Um, but I did that, and that actually helped me a lot. Like I was, because I was coaching six AM's classes at Fight Club, because they they didn't think I was gonna be able to coach anything, mm-hmm. you know. So I would wake up and I would do meditation. So that was new that I picked up after the accident, after I like leveled out. Um, but you know, I learned to just slow down and meditate and like take things presently as they come um and then it also just you know the accident just kind of like i used to be a you know every you know even when i talk to people now and they're like you're so like calm like how are you not riled up like my bike issue speaking back on the bike like i had i got back on the bike i had one bike that i bought um and then you know that was continually in the shop it was bleeding me dry of money and so I was like, God, this is a nightmare. Like, I need this to get around. Um, and then, you know, I was like, all right, let me just pull the trigger, get one, like, from the shop that I I got my bike that I had the accident on. So I went back up there, talked to the guy, this guy Leo. He's awesome, the owner of the shop. Um, so I was like, look, dude, I want to get another bike. Like, I trust you guys. You know, Miami is a city of, you know, scammers like people you know you don't know what you're gonna get you know what i mean this is the this is the the what do you call it this is this is what we have to live up to this is what we're known as this is a scam capital of the world. i was born and raised here so it sucks to think that somebody who comes here from abroad all of a sudden realizes like yeah this is not a good place you can't trust people around here damn it what kind of a reputation people step up man step up let's do right just do right yeah do right for the right thing it's great he uh yeah, so I got the bike from him, and um, they were like, "Yo, we're gonna get back on it." I'm like, all right. They're like, "We remember all the stuff, like, cause you know they, you know, the bike community. They had, they had heard, you know, from my parents everything. I had gone back to the shop to like get certain papers or whatever, um, and 
And they're super supportive, but they were like, all right. Yeah, like when you when you ride bikes, like when you really love them, like you're going to get back on it eventually, you know. Now, if I had kids and I'm in Miami, okay, bikes retired. But I don't have kids right now. You know, I'm definitely a lot more level. Um, but the, the you know, the kind of went off on the tangent here. But the the bike, like, you know, for me is, you know, I got it was one thing after another with the bike, and even then when I got the bike from them, um, it was an old bike, but like it had no problems. You know, it was a used one. It was a actually it was the same exact bike that I had the accident on. It was a 2007 MV Augusta Brutale 910, same one, but I got it in black. They had a black one, so I was like, I'm gonna get that. I was not paying a lot monthly, you know, it was super reasonable. Um, and then it was just like one thing after another with that. And I was like, dude, what is going on? So like, you didn't have any apprehension about getting back on the bike and being back on the road? No. Never, not one moment did you Honestly, have- when I was back, like when I had the neck brace off, I was like, I want to get back on a bike. <laughs> I was like, I want to get back on it, dude. I miss it. Like I remember one of my buddies like came over and he had like a like one of those mini bikes. Not like a, not like a proper motorcycle, but you know, they have the the Groms. I think call it Grom. Honda makes them. But they uh he he was like, Do you wanna get on it? And I was like, Oh man. Uh yeah, I do, bro, I do. So he's like, All right, hop on. I was like, Okay. I get on the bike and I like look at him and I'm like, dude, uh, like how do I start it? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, I couldn't couldn't remember. He was like, pop the clutch, you know, get in first and yeah, then put in first, know, hit the gas. Re- yeah, yeah, hit the gas, release the clutch, yeah, yeah. hit the gas. I was like, all right, and then so I did it, and then I just rode back. It literally like hyper speed came back into my brain. I was like, sweet. So I rode it down the street, rode it down the block a couple times, like came back. I was like, dude, thank you. Like that was like it rewired in my brain. Like it was like in that moment I felt it rewired. So it was cool. That's the opposite of what happened to me. I I was 22. I got rear-ended by a drunk driver. I had a Honda Shadow 2000. I don't even know what year it was. um, On a motorcycle, calling it a night. I'm waiting to make a left to turn into my mom's house at the time. Um... And all of a sudden, in my rear view, I just see this guy's not slowing down. And I'm waiting for the oncoming car to pass me by. And before you know it, I pop, I, saw, I was like, oh, I'm going to get hit. Popped it in the first, started to accelerate. Oh. So at least the bike, boom, took the impact. All I remember is flying in the air. And I'm watching this beautiful bike that I just spent a lot of money on. Sliding on the side. There's sparks flying. And my uncle had insisted that I get a shield because it was a it was a cruiser. Yeah. And I just remember that everything's in slow motion. The the glass is kind of shattering and exploding in the air. The sparks are flying. And then next thing I know, I hit the ground, I roll, and then I just kinda I'm kind of stunned. And the first thing that happens is the dude that hit me is a Cuban guy. I'm Cuban, so I can say whatever I want right now. <laughs> 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 and he gets out of the car and in Spanish he's saying, Por favor, no llamas a la policía. Interpret that. Please don't call yeah, the cops. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I jumped up and I was like, fuck you. <laughs> right? And I'm ready to fight this guy. I bet you're steamed. 
you're steamed, adrenaline is going, right? And all of a sudden, my, my mom's neighbor is a lady who's very active. There's a Catholic church called St. Benedict right there a block away. Yeah. This lady's very active. The priest is always at her house. So when she comes out, I'm still yelling at the guy, telling him to go fuck himself, <laughs> right? So she comes over and she calms me down. She says, no, um, I'm 22, but she's telling me, uh, los niños buenos no dicen mala palabra. So the good kids don't say bad words. <laughs> <laughs> so she, I, I take some deep breaths. I sit down on yeah. the side of the road. When the ambulance pulls up, they're like, hey, can you stand up? Cam, I stood up and fell flat. No. Bam, right, right back down. Because I had landed so hard on my hip yeah. that I guess in my mind, I thought, yeah, of course I could stand up. As soon as I You're stood, shock. Poof. next thing I know, I'm in the ambulance. My legs are shaking. And, and they're just trying to keep me calm. But my whole body is just fucking trembling. No kidding. Um, oh. No helmet. Luckily, I didn't hit my head. Nothing happened to me. Um, just a huge bruise on my ass. And the, the the doctor, the ER doctor told me the same thing. He's like, you're lucky you work out. Um, I was bigger than two. Yeah. And he's like, you're lucky you work out because otherwise you probably would have shattered your hip. Um, and then, so the reason I say the opposite reaction happened to me was maybe my uncle had a GSXR 750. Jixer. Yeah, a Jixer. So I jump on it. And he tells me the same thing. Hey, you want to ride? So I say, sure. <laughs> and I get on it and I take it around the block. Wow. I hit a stop sign. And in that stop sign in the intersection, all of a sudden I hear tires, brakes. No. You know what my reaction was? My reaction was to duck my head, close my eyes and prepare for impact. Wow. And after when I looked up, what? I looked up. And it was a car crossing this way. So, Cam, what I did was I took the bike, turned around, took it back to my uncle, let it go. And it was the last time I've ever ridden a motorcycle. No way. I've never ridden again, man. I just I, I just have no desire. I used to love that feeling. Jump on the highway, yeah. start hitting it. You feel free. You can float it's around free, in traffic. Bro. Yeah. But risk reward, man. Risk reward. Yeah. That, that balance is a little bit tipped for me, and I just didn't want to experience that ever again. So I said, you know yeah. what? Let me just retire. Maybe if I go out, maybe if you take me somewhere out in the middle of Ohio where there's no yeah. traffic, yeah. somewhere yeah. out there, I'll <laughs> ride. But here in Miami, I just, I won't. Yeah. I won't. I respect that, though. Yeah. It's I told, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, yeah, I respect that. I Because it, for me, it was like a, dang. Yeah, like, should I do this? <laughs> like, Let's go. Yeah, but it's also like for me a mode of transportation because I'm all over the city. Yeah. You know, so actually, of. let's talk about that. So you're all over the place, right? Yeah. How are you getting around? When I met you a couple weeks ago, how were you getting around? I was, uh, <laughs> gosh, it was Ubers, which, you know, uh, everybody that lives in Miami knows Uber is extremely overpriced no matter how far you're going but if you're going like a short distance you can like if i'm going from downtown where i live over to south beach sunset harbor so not far you know uh some days that's like 30 bucks 35 bucks and then if i'm going there and then i gotta go down to lionheart cj's gym mm -hmm. That some days, like at that time, because I, you know, I have a seven to eight, and then I have a nine a.m. at at Lionheart. So that time, uh, forty bucks, forty five bucks. So wait, you're living on the beach? No. Where are you living? 
I'm in downtown. Oh, in downtown. So downtown to the beach for Gotham. Oh. At seven, you know, I have two seven a.m. classes there. So Tuesday, you know, I go there seven a.m. You know, some, you know, I got to the point where I was running there some days because yeah. I was like, yo, this is ballistic. I'm spending, like, I'm not even gonna say it, like how much money I was spending in a week on Uber. Yeah. Like you can you can do the numbers in your head. You can imagine. Um, and I was just like, this is not. This is in no way sustainable. Like, this is not okay. Like, um, so, you know, I was just like, all right, what am I going to do? So I would run, you know, I started running. Yeah, you, you told know. me you were running from either from anatomy to Lionheart, right? Yeah. Well, I would take the tri-rail. I would take the tri-rail, which I had never really ridden the tri-rail until, like, not having the bike. But the tri-rail was pretty cool. Like, I was like, yeah, this is great, actually. Like, you know, 250 and I can get all over the city. I mean, you know, close to the close. destination yeah, that close, I need to get the, to. The metro, yeah. not the tri-rail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, around downtown, yeah, that's great. But, like, you know, the tri-rail takes me straight to Lionheart, and then I jog, like, you know, a couple blocks down to Anatomy, jog back to the tri-rail, take the tri-rail back to downtown. So it was getting me around, and then just to South Beach. You know, South Beach is, like, three and a half miles from downtown. So I would just buckle up on my backpack and just... <laughs> Yeah, rip it over to South Beach, run over there, you know. I don't know anybody else who's running, physically running from job to job besides you. So it was, it was a little bit much, you know. Much respect, though, either way. <laughs> I, I mean, where that just shows you where there's a will, there's a way, right? Yeah, like exactly. You said, I, This is my duty, this is my responsibility. I'm going to get there, whatever it takes. Yeah. So, and you got everybody's blessed with a body, you know? Like, I'm like, I'm blessed. Like, that was what I would like remind myself like, look, I'm blessed to have like two really great legs that i can run on like let me let me like be use grateful them. for it and use them wow you know so i did that but now i got the bike back so awesome <laughs> so you, you can <laughs> run a little bit less yeah so tell me i know you've been a globe trotter for a while right and you've been to to many countries um yeah. tell me a little bit about just where where you've been and what took you there so i you know growing up in cincinnati ohio and then uh, going to college and just not knowing what I wanted to do. And then I, you know, switching majors, switching schools. Uh, I I was, like, lost. Like, I was like, man, I don't know that I want to do, like, business like everybody else in my grade. Um, and I remember I was, uh, I, after transferring to Ohio State, and I'm, I'm uh, switching to exercise science from business. And uh, and I was bombing chem, like bombing it, dude. Not doing well at all. <laughs> the science and I are not good friends. Um, and uh, I was like, I'm studying with this girl who's going to be a doctor. And she's getting like around the same grades as me. I'm like, I don't know if this is for me, man. So I remember calling my parents. I called my parents. My dad's highly educated. My dad actually just retired this past year, uh, but he's uh, he was an immigration lawyer. Uh, and you know, then my mom going back getting her master's. Like, parents are highly educated, and I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm the firstborn son, and I'm gonna drop out of college. <laughs> so you felt that pressure. Yeah, and uh, I call him there out to dinner, and I'm like. I gotta tell you guys something. They're like, okay, like talk to us. I'm like, I don't think I, I don't think school's for me right now. You know, right now. 
I was like, and I know how my dad is like, like I knew like if I was going to tell him I was going to drop out and pursue modeling, I knew I was going to have to be like, I knew I was going to have to have a backup plan. And my dad would be like, all right, so well, what if that doesn't work out? Which I totally respect. Yeah. Like, what, <laughs> like, what are you going to do? Um, so I got certified as a personal trainer. Um, you know, I've always, you know, being active and working out is always, like, I always had, like, a, I always gravitated towards it. Um, so, you know, I, you know, I called him and I'm like, so I want to... Uh, I, you know, I, I talked to Chester, who was my agent in Cincinnati. I was had an agency there for modeling. And I was like, I talked to him. You know, I, I was like, yo, do you think I could mo move to New York and model? He's like, I'll set up appointments. You know, you'll have to fly up there and set everything up. You'll probably have to drop some weight because I was big boy mm -hmm. uh, in college. And uh, anyways, I'm, I called my parents and I'm I'm like, yeah, like, I think I want to drop out and I'm going to move to New York. Like Chester said, like, he'll set up appointments up there. Like, you know, I want, I want to try it. You know, what do you guys think? And there was, like, a long pause on the phone, and I'm like, oh, boy. I'm, like, sweating. Like, oh, God, what are they going to say? <laughs> and then, uh, then my dad goes, like, if you're 35 and you have kids, could you do it? I was like no he was like well then you should do it like you should do it like try it see if you can do it i was like wow like i had such a weight lifted off my shoulders and like like also like so much gratitude for that and my mom was like yeah like yeah you could do it like you got to figure stuff out you know so like having my parents they've my parents have always been on my team you know they've had my back through a lot of stuff so um so like I I went to New York. I met with some agencies. They were like, "You got to drop weight. You got to drop like another twenty pounds." I don't know what I know now. I didn't know what I know now about like fitness and like how to cut weight properly and everything. I was eating like chicken salads, salads and chicken salads with chicken. Like, it was just definitely not a healthy way of dropping weight. But I dropped weight. I got down to like one hundred sixty pounds and moved to New York. Shot photos and from two hundred. How much were you wearing at the time? I was like about two hundred pounds. Drop to 160. That's that. That's a lot of self discipline. Yeah, a lot of self discipline. I was on the treadmill. I was on the treadmill for an hour, and then I was doing like some other cardio workouts for an hour. I was still at Ohio State at that point. Like I was at the campus. I was living in the house with my boys, but I was more dialed in, you know, with that. So I started just cutting weight and cutting weight and cutting weight and cutting weight. Jumping back to your parents, how difficult would it have been to make that transition without the support of your parents? Oh, major. It would be a totally different situation. I think it, I think it would have, you know, I would have, I would have been like, uh, mentally I would have been kind of like, dang, should I do this? Like, am I going to do this? Like, am I really going to risk everything and, and drop out and just, Go to New York. I think that would have made it ten times harder. That's what I mean. Like my parents, like, and that, you know they're amazing. You know, I you know, can't be. You know, I can't thank them enough for like, you know, setting me up this way and you know and supporting me with like all the crazy stuff that I've done and like you know like 
dealing with like what my brother and I put them through. Like <laughs> they're like living angels, like literally. You know. That's cool that you recognize that and you give them that credit. Yeah. Um so with uh with modeling itself. What are some of the brands that you're working for, and how? What's the world of modeling like? Because we, not, not I, I, maybe Gabe back there, he might, he might qualify. I definitely don't qualify <laughs> as a model. Um, but walk us through what that life is like. And, and it's, uh, it's, it's definitely not everything that uh, people like. It's made out to be to people. Like people are like, oh, you're modeling like. Probably going to all these cool parties and like you're, <laughs> you're making all this money and blah, blah, blah. No, you're not, bro. Come on, you're not at all. Like it was like a struggle. You're you're struggling. Like at the beginning, unless you're like one in a million that they pluck you out of here and like they're like, all right, you're gonna be the next top model. That type of thing. It's like you gotta build your book. You gotta, you know, you you shoot with all these photographers try to build like your book but you got to also you the hardest part is if you haven't been through enough, enough stuff in your life you know if you've had just like your you know a normal like comfortable life you don't have any like there's no grit there's no like like emotion like extra emotion that you can add into for the camera for oh, the I shot see. yeah if that makes sense like you, you <sighs> It's hard because it's hard to create that like energy through the camera. Um, so for me, like at the beginning, it was kind of like a slow, you know, you're shooting a bunch, but it's like, how do I get emotion? How do I show emotion through my face? Mm -hmm. You know, and like I can show emotion by smiling because I've always been like happy. Like, but how do I create that like edge, you know, like that mood? So this wasn't just for still photography. This was also for motion. This is like, well, I mean, for video and camera, but like also like you're moving, but like if they can snap you like that. Gotcha. So like for stills, but like, you know, laughing or moving and stuff like that. So for me, that was hard at first. It, you would be like, wow, that's a fake smile. Yeah. No, that's a fake laugh. To emote on command, like to just be like, oh, you're going to be, you're jovial and you're happy and you're excited. Uh, just go. Yeah. That's, that's not natural. It's yeah. It's not yeah. natural at all. Yeah, so that was weird. And it was awkward, and it's really awkward, you know, to be in. A lot of people are just like, I don't want to be in a photo, or I don't want to take photos, or stuff like that, you know? Like, I mean, even for the, like for this, you know, for me, like, at the beginning, it's like, I've never done this. So, like, yeah. you're kind of, like, you're awkward. Yeah. You know? Like, so it's the same thing with the photos. Like, and that took a minute to, like, get comfortable with somebody with a photo, like, and they're constantly snapping photos, and you're just like, all right, like... <laughs> And like when, you know, um, but it was, a, New York was, it was like a learning, learning experience, but I didn't really get anything out of it. So the season ended, I didn't book any jobs, I didn't do anything. I just took photos and like went to a ton of castings. New York is huge with castings, so I was going to castings every day, but I wasn't booking anything because I was like a rookie, you know. Um, There's a lot of like professional models there. And uh, so... Uh, my booker was like, you should go to Miami. It's seasoned down there now. So I went, came here. Uh, I was in the no, go ahead. I was just opening the, the, the text that you sent me earlier just so I could. Uh, okay. Um, I was uh, I was with, uh, I, I signed with an 
an agency down here. So my booker in New York sent me a, um, sent my book down here, and then one of the bookers liked me, and so I went and signed with this agency, Mega. I don't think they're in existence anymore. But that's where my career like started to like you know I started to like book jobs and I started to take off. I shot with this guy Scott Titler, and I'm actually gonna shoot with him again like coming up like because now I'm gonna get back and do dad stuff, young father stuff. <laughs> but uh, so you're getting back into the world of modeling? Yeah, I got I got brought I got somebody like cast me for something like through a through Instagram and I did this Colombian job as a young dad. With like little kids and stuff it was cool. Nice, man. So I was like, you know what? Maybe I should get back into this, just on the side, a sidekick. Um, but yeah, so I, I I signed with the agency and then shot with Scott, and then I was able to book jobs with those four photos. You need like a you need a book, you need a portfolio, you need you know nice photos done by a nice you know well known photographer, somebody that's gonna make the photo pop and whatever gotcha. all the details. So I, then I eventually worked with Abercrombie, which was cool because they would fly me from here to Columbus, Ohio, their their home base, where they shoot all the e-commerce, all the all of that for the websites for everything. They shoot it out of Columbus, Ohio. So like, I would I was twenty. I was you know my my boys are still in college, like my bros are like. So I would go back. I would shoot all day. Uh, for their online shop, and then I would go to campus. I would go to Ohio State and like hang out with my buddies. Oh, that's cool. You know, so that was cool. But I would do that once a month, usually for like three or four days. Um, that would like pay. That would pay rent and stuff. So like everything else, you try to make ends meet. Um, but you book jobs here and there. It was cool, and then that brought me. <clears throat> that brought me, you know, to my first summer in Miami, and they're like, look. There's no work here. It's way too hot. We don't shoot here. You know, like, makeup's going to slide off. You know, mm -hmm. You're not going to be able to shoot. So everybody goes other places. So my booker was like, you should, uh, you still need to like build like a lot of your book. And so he was like, you should go to Istanbul. Like I've heard of Istanbul is like, you can book some work there. Like I'm going to get you with an agency. So I signed with his agency. And before I got there, they had already booked me on uh, Men's Health, uh, GQ, um, Cosmopolitan, like a bunch of like big name magazines. Um, so I <clears throat> flew out there. Weird, like <laughs> weird to land in a country where like it's not common for people to speak English there. Mm -hmm. So I got there. I get to the airport. I'm just like, where am I? Like, I'm 22, 21. Too. and uh and there's two sides of turkey like there's the asian side and then there's the european side so we flew into the asian side and then i'm driving across like in this big bus from the airport to the to the european side and i remember like driving across this big bridge i remember looking at the hillside and it like i thought of like you know you always see the, like the favelas in brazil and of stuff course, like yeah. that so I'm driving and I'm like, where am I going? Like it looked like run down, like housing, like all upon this like massive hill. I was like, okay, well, here we go. <laughs> Let's see how this goes. Get there, get to the model apartment. You're in the model. You're like they say you open a model apartment. So you're living with like 
have four other, five other, six other guys, you know, sometimes two, sometimes three to a one bedroom. They just have beds. And then you're sharing one kitchen. So one kitchen and, you know, you're living with uh, uh, maybe me as the American, maybe one other American, maybe not. Uh, Brazilian, Lithuanian, Russian, uh, like from all over. So everybody has a different culture. Everybody has different ways of acting. Everybody has a different level of respect. So that was like a huge curveball. You're like, all right, how do I act with all these people? Yeah, how do I behave with this guy versus this guy? What, this guy's offended. This guy's laughing. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So that was a major. That was a major learning experience for me. Like a huge growth, um, and then just learning how to like, you know, be by yourself in another country, like. And everybody's on the opposite time schedule. You know, like my parents are going to bed, I'm getting up. So like everybody on this side of the world is, you know, you're you barely get to talk to anybody. You have an issue, you're gonna have to figure it out on your own. Yeah. So no, it was cool. I went there and then from there I went to Greece, spent some time in Greece. I also did Milan the second year with Istanbul again. I love Istanbul. Why? What is it about Istanbul that you love so much? Because you told me the same thing via text. You're like, I love this country. What? What? What about it? Istanbul is just like, I, honestly, I made well, I made friends there, and I actually had my best like experiences there. And I still talk to some of the guys that I live with in those model housing. You know, like I, some of them I've gone to see. Um, so those friendships are still like in existence. So like, <clears throat> those friendships that I made there, they're like long lasting. You know, um, and I still have uh, these two brothers that like took they took me in when I got kicked out of one of the agencies. I got because I they have there's these two brothers and they like long story short, they have uh, they have a family business. They have a house in like uh, it's called Bukida. There's like these three, four Prince Prince Islands just south of the city of Istanbul. Um, and uh, one of the girls in the agency was dating one of the brothers. The other brother and then one of them was they were like yo you want to just get like a bunch of models and just you know, come down on the weekends i was like yeah <laughs> and like they were hooking it up they were paying for it like they were paying for everything paying for everybody to eat drinks whatever you want so we would just get out of the city istanbul's a crazy city it's like moving all the time like you you try to walk across the street you better run across the street because that cabbie does not care. He's going to speed up. Like, you're going to get hit. So, like, it's a crazy city, but it would be nice to get out and go down to Bukita, like one of those small islands. Like, these islands, they're horse-drawn buggies. Like, there's no cars on them. It's horse-drawn buggies. Yeah, Beautiful. completely different from what you were seeing here or in New York or Ohio. All of a sudden, you're on the other side of the planet. You have no support. You're trying to build these new relationships, and you're learning a new city. I mean, that you're 22 years old. Sounds pretty cool. Yeah. So what was hard about that time? Because you're living with five other dudes inside of an apartment. So what like what difficulties did you run into? It was uh gosh, it was like just trying to book job like well, I mean you're booking jobs but you're not getting paid the same. Um so you're kinda working like you're just like you're like a hanger. That would be the best. And I, you know, I think about this girl that literally has a hanger tattoo. She's like, I'm literally just a hanger for clothes. Like you just because oh. you know, like you're you're there all day, you're there all day. You're just a hanger for the clothes. You, you know? just try on clothes and taking pictures and try on clothes and taking pictures. Dude, and yeah, on I'll clothes. do like a hundred 
outfits a day. Wow. <laughs> so you she, wait. So one of the one of the models got a hanger yeah, she, tattoo. She, yeah, she had like uh, she had this hanger tattoo on, like, on her arm, and I was like, "What's that for?" She's like, "Cause that's what we are." I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "That's so sad. Yeah. That's depressing." I was like, "I don't want to think about it like that." <laughs> so and now you're diving back into it. Why did you get out of it the first time? And yeah, yeah. so actually, this is a, this is an interesting like side of it that that like a lot of people, you know, a lot of people don't know. It's like kind of a broken industry in some regards because in a lot of regards, but um, they try to take advantage of you. You know, uh, when you're when you're younger and you're like bouncing around and you're trying to find yourself still, like this is a time, like your early twenties, you're trying to like you're trying to find yourself. You know, you're yeah. vulnerable and you're looking for the approval of others. Yeah. Mm. So, um, they, you know, people that have power in that, they kind of try to take advantage of you. Um, and so, you know, you get asked to. You know, it, it it really stems from it stems down. It comes down to like how you were, you know, raised. Like probably like you gotta have a strong backbone. You gotta have been raised on like some morals too to not like break under that pressure. Because I know you know that happens a lot. A lot of guys like they, you know, they came out. Vogue wrote an article about it like years back. Like photographers taking advantage or like you know trying to touch boys like you know. Young boys that happened with like photographer that I shot with, same thing. He tried to he tried to we were doing digitals, and then uh, you know they get like close to you, and then he was like trying to touch me, and I'm like, dude, don't do that. I was like, don't touch me. I got up and I walked out. I left the house. He lives in Miami. Go super top, top name photographer. Booker my Booker set it up. Yeah, go see uh, go see this guy. Um, You're even hesitant to say his name. Bruce Weber. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, because because this has probably not only happened to you; it's probably happened to other people. I know other guys that it's happened to. You know, and he has a lot of power. Yeah, that's the problem. And like, I don't know. Like, they don't care. Like, they probably he probably still books jobs. You know, and like he was he like this guy. Uh, what he has two houses up on Golden Beach. Like I was going like my booger. I went up. Booger set it up. I went up there and then, and it's weird because it's like that that guy looks like Santa Claus, you know. I'm like God. Santa Claus is trying to touch me. This is weird. <laughs> like I'm out. Yeah. You know. So why do you feel like some people would just let it happen because they don't know what else? Because they do? think it's gonna make their career. So if you're if you're uh, you know, if you're trying to make it in modeling, like you, you know, you want to shoot with the best people, and you want because it's a lot of politics. You know, if if this photographer recommends you for the job and he's shooting the campaign mm -hmm. for Calvin Klein or Ralph, you know, then you're gonna get the job. You know, so but if you know some people, like I remember that happening in Istanbul. Like if you let. <laughs> I'll just be outright. <laughs> there's a one agency, the man, and uh, if you let the if you let the owner of the agency suck you off, you would be on the cover of GQ the following week over there. There, like that, like I said. But it's always that power thing. It's like they want to have power over you. It's like a twisted thing, man. 
you know it's stuff that a lot of people don't know about but i mean you hear about that in hollywood and yeah, like, yeah. People, like the casting couch and how people certain people move up people screw their way to the top you know what i mean but that's real like i saw that in in person like i was like no i'm not down for this so that's actually what kind of like i was like you know what my booker i flew out to la i met with uh tyrese gibson's acting manager um because i was like maybe i'll go to la and like start acting you know i thought it could be fun my booker was like yeah like you could be good at it um so i was like yeah why not so i flew out there and then my i come out there and in my my uh i was staying with one of my bookers old you know models that used to work with him he works a lot out there um and then my booker comes out um like on a whim and then i'm there i always had like a kind of feeling like you know i was like yeah you claim you know to have all these girlfriends but i i really don't think so um and uh what was it you know you know we were you know over there we weed was legal at this point so you know we were able to go you know go to walk in the dispensary first time in a dispensary like yo this is cool like what am i gonna get <laughs> um so we went, uh, went to the dispensary, got some weed, chilled. We're hanging out, then <clears throat> pass out on the couch. You know, we're sharing a, you know, there, there's, the, it's a one bedroom, and a big couch, and uh, we're we're like sharing the couch. I'm one way, he's one way, and then I'm like, I'm passed, I'm passed out, and then I'm waking up, and this dude is like. You know how I don't know. There's there's some way people get off by like rumping up against other people or touching people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you guys are probably like Jesus, like they get angry, right? huh? Like they get angry. What do you mean get off? No, he said get no. off. Like sexually they get, get off. off. Yeah, they sexually oh, get off. Yeah, from yeah. It. Like he's getting off. He's yeah. getting turned yeah. on by by rubbing on somebody's <laughs> yeah. sleeve. <laughs> yeah. So I wake up to that, and the guys. Jerking Choking off. Choking the chicken, bro. Choking <laughs> the chicken? <laughs> Whacking the wizard. Yeah. yeah. So wait, and what was your response to that? I was just like, yo, what the fuck? He was like, what? I was just like, I was like, all right. I'm just like, and then I just like went back to sleep. And then I wait, got- Wait, 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 wait. You just went back to sleep? What are you bro, doing? I, I, I got to clarify this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, dude, what the fuck? Like, yeah, what the stopped. fuck? Yeah. And then he was, then like, because what he noticed, I woke up and then he was just there. And then I'm like, what the fuck? And then I, I'm like- and then he's just like, I don't know. And then I'm like, like I think like confused. <laughs> yeah, yeah, bro. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Like I want to, I want to beat the shit out of you, really. Yeah, of course. So the next, but I'm still like, and I was still like, yeah, I was still, you know, I didn't, I'm not where I am now. Of like course. now, I would take you out back, like <laughs> whoop your ass. But this is like, I was like, and this was my career in my hands too and like you know now i understand why you know you don't want to let you know break your moral compass for that um and uh so yeah the next morning i remember waking up and i was like god i just met with tyrese gibson's acting manager like i like this big name like blah blah, blah. and then i'm like and like my my booker who like booked me on all these big jobs like now he's like some like her freak like what yeah what's fuck? going on and uh so like who did that, you did you talk to anybody about all these like these different scenarios that were happening to you did you 
discuss them with anyone or was this my or, parents like i said <laughs> and what did you so oh, that's good that you were open enough yeah. to talk to your parents my what? parents know my parents know everything that's sometimes awesome. they're like sheesh like <laughs> maybe that's like too much like maybe not, but like they said and what was their response they were just like oh my god we're so sorry like what like um you know because i was kind of like a mess the next day after that i mean i could I, I, I i'm still like super young like you know i was still super young and so i was just like and i felt like like everything like my whole everything was crashing down mm. you know i was like gosh like i'm not like how am i gonna book any like how am i gonna go back to modeling like what am i gonna do like i was just like because this is the guy who's out. booking it your- was how like i was booking a lot i booked abercrombie i through, booked like all this, this guy. shit yeah so i was like i'm gonna have to do switch agencies like i'm gonna have to do this i'm gonna do that and yeah i was just i remember just calling my parents on the phone just crying and be like i don't know what to do like i'm freaking out they're like well just like you know i don't know go grab your bags and then just like get out of fly home so that's what i did i got my bags and flew back to miami and i told the agency i was like yo i'm out i'm done i'm switching and then I went and met with Next and signed with Next. I was with Next for like, I don't know, like a year. And then I was like, you know what? I'm in a weird gap. And then that's what phased me out kind of. And is that when you transitioned to boxing or? Yeah, I mean, I had been boxing for, I've been boxing to be in shape for modeling since I was 20. Uh, and I, you know, I would I was like taking classes back then and then like working with some guys that are like, you know, I was looking, I looked up to and now like, some you know i've coached with some of them you know which is cool come full circle but why boxing what what do you find in boxing that you don't find in other aspects of um, like physical exercise i i mean yeah i'm i'm a very intense person yeah um and uh it's just a way for me like it i'm one of those people that has like my battery doesn't shut off like i'm very like energetic all the time like my mom jokes that i ran out of her like my mom's like he didn't i did not give birth to that boy he sprinted he ran out of me and didn't stop he never stopped so uh yeah 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 she would she would say that all the time like he ran out he did not stop um yeah and i uh (laughs) um so like for me just being super active but like also, like after the accident too, like my, I mean, well, that's taking it back. Like, but that, that's, okay. that's how I realized like how much boxing was like, I ne- needed that in my life. Cause you know, it helps. It's a stress reliever for me back before the accident. It was more of like a, all right, this is going to keep me in tip top shape for boxing is like, makes you lean and shredded. Yeah. Boxing doesn't make you like bulky ever. Yeah. Boxing is like lean, shred, build, um, six pack, everything that you want for modeling. So, like for me, that was kind of like the main focus. Like I was like doing it and learning from those guys, and like because I was using it not to fight because I don't want to get hit in the face. My face is what's gonna make me money. Of course. So I was like, I was learning just technique and and punching, um, and then so I was just hitting bags like all the time, like every day, once a day, twice a day to be in shape for modeling. And then after my accident happened, you know, and when I was already coaching it, 
um, I realized how much of a like an anxiety reliever it was. Um, and like I just have a lot of energy as my in myself. Like I was going back to like when I ran out of my mom. Like I haven't stopped. I've just I have so much energy. And sometimes when you have a lot of energy, it can get directed in like like the wrong way mentally. Like for me, I like you anxiety. You know, like if I have like all all like I if I haven't burned off the energy of the day, um, I'll have like I'll be anxious. Yeah. You know, I'll be like nervous or anxious just because like all that energy bottled up inside me. It hasn't gone anywhere. Yeah, there's no outlet. Yeah. Some people are just chill. Like they're more sedentary. Yeah. And that's something I go over with people all the time. It's like they're coming to me or before I'm not seeing patients right now, but they would come to me and they would talk to me about their anxiety. And the first question is like, what are your outlets? Like, where are you letting go of this nervous energy? Um, And so many people are living sedentary lifestyles. They have very... They're probably high strung or high energy people, but then they're not putting it out anywhere. So what happens is their their mind just spins and they start worrying about all these different issues. It's like, well, your body also needs to move to let some of this out, to let it go. Um, and so, I mean, I try to recommend anything I can. I mean, even just, just go outside and walk people. <laughs> just walk. Yeah. Just try to get outside for a little bit. Um, but for sure, any HIIT training, uh, any sort of physical exercise, weightlifting, yoga, I mean, it doesn't matter, but you just need to get out. Um, so, and so you're saying that before you were using it just as a tool to help you stay lean. Now, what does boxing mean to you? Because it's part of your life. Yeah. Now, uh, um, now it's like, uh, it's like therapy. Like the heavy bag is a therapist for me. Like I, after I box, like a prime example of like how I am after is like I was training I was training this guy and I had boxed for like I don't know hour and a half prior to the session prior to like having to go train him because I had a break and I was like I'm gonna work I'm gonna box today um and I went and uh I went and he's like you're so you're so calm like <laughs> he's like He's like, this is great. Like, what did you do before this? I was like, I, I, I boxed for a while, you know. He's like, you should do that every day. Because <laughs> <laughs> you were much calmer. I was like, damn, okay. All right. But, no, it makes sense because, like, for me, it's like when I, if I can release, even, like, weightlifting. Like, I love weightlifting. Like, don't get me wrong. Um, but boxing puts me in, like, a mental state that is not like anything else. Um, it like quiets all the noise in my head and it makes me like, I'm, I can be like stable and calm and nothing's really gonna irk me after that. I'm like, try to, try to rile me up. If I've exhausted myself through boxing for an hour and a half, you're probably not gonna, like, I'm probably gonna be like, okay. I can move on with the bullshit. Like, it's okay. What's your mindset now? Like when you're like, I took a, class with you on monday yeah um dope by the way i really enjoyed it it. i'll be back uh you take great command of the room you could tell you keep every everybody motivated and then you also mentioned a couple of times like count through it like just count tell your body what to do because i think people get frustrated with the combinations you're like two two three six and then people are like oh what do i do now (laughs) where do my hands go yeah yeah um so what does it mean to you, I guess, to stand in front of the room and to have command of that room? And, and 
I don't know. What do you get out of what do you get out of coaching, right? Yeah. Um, it's uh, gosh, I don't know where to start. Um, the you know, I I really love being able to give back through the coaching, like to have people because I know a lot of people get you know I have one on one clients that just want to hit mitts. Just because they like had a rough day and they want to like release that stress, and I'm like, yo, okay, like, cool, like I, I'm here. Mm -hmm. Like, um, I, I think it's awesome to be able to give back in a way that's like, it promotes, you know, being active, being physical, like, and, um, like people. It gives people like a, a joy outlet. Like, you know, you could be like being an instructor, like you could be an instructor that is just like, oh, okay, like I'm just going to come collect a check. Um, like this is going to help me pay my bills or whatever. Like for me, it's like I, I love, I don't know, I love coaching. Like for me, it's like I always feel great after the class. Like and after everybody leaves like super like exhausted but happy like a smile on their face and like to me that that is like that's success like it's like i'm happy that i'm able to give that to people and that's why like i feel like showing up in you know when you're coming to coach like don't show up like half-assing it or like just you know thinking about Oh, like what happened before like you know like all the shit with my bike like i could come in coach class like uh, what was me like uh, like or i could come in and be like check like leave that shit at the door leave that shit at the door come in do your shit for an hour and then you could probably gonna leave in a totally different state of mind you know so for me like that's how i want to that's how i want to run the room and like keep it structured because it's like if it's structured and i have control of it then that can control then it's not sloppy then people can leave and have got what I was trying to provide them you know a good workout a stress relief um and then like you know good like camaraderie like and like you know I love that when everybody in the room gets like they're like cheering each other on like I have that in like a lot of gyms I, I tried got. to cheer on a girl next to me she looked at me like I was crazy I was like, <laughs> I was like all, right, all right disregard I'll just go back to my bag Oops. <laughs> like I knocked her back I was like come on let's go and she she kind of looked at me like don't touch my bag bro <laughs> that's my bag yeah. <laughs> I was like sorry I apologize lady I was just trying to help you out but yeah. never mind motivate you come yeah, on yeah. um which was, it was actually pretty funny <laughs> Yo, anatomy is probably and, and I'm sorry, I know you work there And I know you work at other gyms yeah. Every gym is different I've been to a lot of gyms I'm in love with anatomy I'm in love with the moment I walk in There's a towel handed to me I was going to a gym before where they're like Hey, do you need any towels? And if you Or did you bring a towel with you? And if you said no, they hand you a, cha a towel And next thing you you have $10 charged to your account Oh, yeah. man um, but <laughs> Nickel, it's cool. and dime you. Yeah, nickel and dime you Nickel and dime you so you walk in an anatomy, there's a towel for you. You go to the bathroom, there's mints, there's slippers, there's a big towel. Uh, the classes are dope. They have awesome instructors like you. They have the sanctuary back there, and that's where I'm heading right Sick. now. So I know that you post every once in a while about jumping in freezing cold water once a day. 
Tell me a little bit about cold plunging and what it means to you. Oh my gosh, this is a great question. I, <laughs> I do like I try to do cold plunge at Anatomy every morning. Um, so I'll do. They they have such an awesome, like you said, sanctuary. Yeah. Uh, they have uh, like infrared infrared sauna, which is great for you know heavy toxins in your body. Actually, it heats you up from the inside out, not like a regular sauna. Um, steam room and then they have the cold plunge so for me the cold plunge was just like it's like another battle you know and and it's kind of like how i feel after boxing but like it's like how i feel after boxing but like on steroids like that is like that is like, the cold plunge is like the feeling like you <sighs> boxing you can't stir me up if i do a cold plunge <laughs> you're not gonna get anything and a negative emotion out of me the rest of the day. And the hardest thing, if you do it first thing in the day, like for me, first thing in the morning, I do it 5 a.m. 5 a.m. Before a workout, before anything. Yeah. I tried that once. <laughs> it's, it's better. It's hard. And it's better to do it, um, like it, everything I've been reading, it's way better to do it before you work out. You don't want to do it after you work out because if you do it after you work out, you're negating all the, the inflammation That's that you actually want. For the growth of the cells, yeah. so but yeah, I I just you know they uh, the one in Midtown they uh, there's this guy awesome guy Arrestus he like works there, um, and he's always back there like getting towels and everything and he uh, so he knows he's like how many minutes are we doing today, <laughs> how many minutes are we doing I I love that guy and that's it and going back to anatomy the culture like the people that are there everybody's it's vibe. It's a vibe. It's a good vibe, yeah. Yeah. But cold plunge, I, man, I, now I, I do five to ten minutes in it. And I usually have headphones in. So I literally go all the way neck deep in, just my mouth above the water and my ears. And uh, I'll go five to ten minutes in there. And it's just like, it's me it's like meditating too. You know, you just, you, you have to control your breath. It's like a 10 second inhale 10 second exhale like and that really just makes you calm in itself but you have to control your breathing everybody yeah. gets in i see them get in and they're like <laughs> yeah they're freaking out i'm like dude you're gonna kick yourself out of this thing yeah yeah i go right. straight when i when i go in i mean i usually take a couple of deep faster breaths you might even hear a whoo <laughs> but um yeah because it's, it's it's rough what's cool is this there's a couple of things that I, i'm learning about myself in the cold plunge number one Especially if you're alone, right? This is a decision you have to make to get into freezing cold water. Nobody wants to. Nobody wants to do it. You don't get up and say, yeah, absolutely. Like, exactly what I want to do. It takes a moment for you to make the decision to commit, right? And you have to break past that. Some people I've seen, they tippy-toe in the water or they just don't want to go in. Yeah. Then once you're in, your brain immediately is telling you, get the fuck out <laughs> like you don't belong in here evacuate. get out <laughs> evacuate immediately and so what i tell people this is activating your sympathetic nervous system the amygdala is part of the brain that is sending it's it's your fight or flight response and you're triggering that immediately by jumping in freezing cold water now you're able to use breath work to get through it so you start breathing just like you said take deep slow breaths breathe in breathe out um there's a I want to do events where I'm teaching people 
to use cold water to help them break past anxiety, to help them um, to trigger that response that a lot of times will send you into a panic attack if you're not in cold water. Uh, what do you do with that? What do you do with that feeling where your brain is literally saying, run, get out, this is not good for you. But then once you could breathe through it and start realizing it's just cold water. Yeah. It's just cold water. It's nothing else. And then if you zone out even more and you're just focusing on breath, I'm just breathing in and breathing out. Then your mind goes back to, but your hands are numb. But it's really cold. <laughs> and then you escape that again and you go back to, just breathe. Just breathe. Inhale. Exhale. Inhale. Exhale. I start counting tiles on the wall sometimes because <laughs> yeah. I want to distract myself. And I just, and then I, I'll go back to the tiles on the wall. And then my brain is like, it's getting cold in here. You got to get out. <laughs> and then I'm like, hold on. Let me go back to the breath. Let me just go back to the breath. And usually I set my alarm for like four minutes, three, four minutes, something like that. The alarm goes off. I dunk myself. Not So this is the people, there's people always in there sometimes. And I'll dunk myself completely submerged right when I get in, blow all the air, come up just like you, like right here up to my chin. I'll breathe, go for the three minutes. But before I get out, I dunk myself again and just oh, let go of the air and sit underneath the water. You know how when you're a kid, okay. you blow out all yeah. your air and you just sit for a while? And I just sit at the bottom, and then I'm like, all right, cool, now it's time. Then I get out. Oh, Which, yeah, that's yeah. what's so up. It's like a baptism every day. Yeah. It's a baptism every day. <laughs> what's, what's also cool, we were talking about encouraging other people, like in the boxing class. What's really awesome is when you find somebody in the cold plunge that kind of doesn't want to do it, but you just say, hey, I'm coming in with you. Let's just stay together for this long. And I've had multiple people say, I've never stayed in that long before. Wow, and it just cool. shows you the power of, of, of community, right? Yeah. And so when there's somebody else there with you going through a struggle and you have somebody that's, that's, that's there side by side with you, shoulder to shoulder, all of a sudden you last longer, right? Community and is community. so important. So, so I'm a huge believer in community, support groups, friendships, and anything that, that, that brings people together. And that's why I love HIT. I love HIT training and I love uh, group classes. I love group training just because of that reason. Um, because people will, just like in that cold plunge where they'll stay a little bit longer and they'll, uh, they'll just accept the pain a little bit more and go a little bit further. It's the same in a HIT class where somebody next to me, not that lady who I was encouraging with the boxing, <laughs> but most people respond positively to the people around them when they're in that group training atmosphere. Um, and yeah, man, I, we had a boot camp. I, I don't know if you know that or not. We had a boot camp that we were doing for a while um, right here in Phillips Park in the Gables. Oh, no way. Yeah, uh, we were doing it last year. We stopped in the summer. We were supposed to restart in January, and I was just talking to my buddy, um, Alex Roque. He, he works at Arafit Gym. I don't know if you're familiar with Arafit. I've heard of Arafit, uh, yeah. it's a It's a private, like, boutique-style uh, personal training gym. Yeah. Shout out to Arafit. We accept <laughs> sponsors here. Anatomy, you guys too. Nah. But um, but yeah, I mean, it, Alex and I, we were leading the boot camp and it was just cool because we were building that community and it's something I want to get back to again. Um, I'm, not, I'm not looking to open a gym. Yeah. Um, I'm just looking to do things to bring people together because I know what, what that means for all of us, right? And I want to bring people like you who are hype, who bring good energy, oh, yeah, who are positive, too. 
to 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 lead, right? To lead and to yeah. It's like you bring your audience. I use my platform, and then it's a it's a win 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 win. Cultivate a magical experience, right? Yeah, because all you're doing is you're just bringing positivity to a community through exercise, and then I just want to show people how that helps your mental health. All these, because at the end of the day, all of this is about improving ourselves from a mental standpoint. If your perspective sucks when you come out of a motorcycle accident and you're learning how to walk again and you're just very negative and you're pessimistic and you just, everything is woe is me, then guess what? Your outcomes are going to be piss poor. You might not even recover completely every time. Every time. You go through some shitty experience um, with modeling or whatever it is and if that overcomes you, now there's no coming back. Yeah. So... I, I'm I'm a big believer in community. I'm a bi- big believer in just supporting one another. And I saw that you wrote on your Instagram profile that you are a maverick of positivity. Yeah. What's that about? Optimism. Yeah. No, of I optimism. Mean, maverick yeah. of optimism. Man. Yeah, because I'm like, uh, I don't know. For me, it's just, I like never cried as a baby. I've just always like, I've always been this way. Yeah. I've always been, you know. Through ups and downs, like there's just I don't know. It's just I've always been happy. Like I, I like when I I feel so bad for the people that like struggle with depression and like feel you know like I just I I don't know what the, like I I have sympathy for them, but I don't know what it like. I don't know what that is. Like I've always like I said, I've always been no matter how, like what place I'm in in life. Like even like those you know some of those experiences that I've had before that I spoke a little bit on. You know, some people that throws them for a spin. Yeah. And, like, for me, it's, like, okay. I was just, like, I I have, like, a, I was talking with somebody recently, like, that was, that always, like, you know, worries about stuff. And I'm just, like, you know, it's, it's nice to have, like, a short-term memory. Like, just, I, I just choose to have a short-term memory. I don't know that some people, you know, obviously a lot of people hold on to stuff. Me, I don't hold on to anything. You know, like to me, it's just like just and that's why I'm happy all the time. Like because people like will bring up something like, don't you remember this? I'm like, no, I don't even actually remember it. It <laughs> doesn't even hold space in my brain. Yeah. You know, I just try to focus on the positives every day. And that also helps like with like in the mornings I do a, I do a gratitude. I write like a page. I've been doing it for almost a year now. Um, I do my meditation. And then I write a page, and then I go to the cold plunge. Um, but uh, the page I do, the first half is, like, gratitude. Mm-hmm. Like, what I'm grateful for. So just bullet points. Like, it doesn't have to be any fancy schmancy thing. What are some things you're grateful for? Um, so I, what I'm grateful for is I, like, I, I put, I'm grateful for this brand new day of abundance and opportunity. That's kind of how I started. And then I say, like, I'm grateful for the classes and clients that I have and that I'm able to coach. Um, I'm grateful for, you know, my motorcycle. I'll I'll do everything. So, like, from interpersonal relationship stuff all the way to, like, the basic stuff, like, like food on my plate, mm. roof over my head. So I'll, like, make it to, like, about a half page. And then the second half, um, I write like what I am. So I am bullet points and then 
list for the second well, half. We got to hear. What are you? What, what are some things you write? <laughs> I am. So, I like, the first thing I like, write, like, I am abundant. I'm blessed. I am resourceful. I'm confident. I am attracting lots of love. I'm attracting money. I'm, uh, um, I'm living in my dream house. I like, I, I have like a whole list of that. So I go down like all the stuff that I am because I'm a big believer that like what you say you, you are, you know, like what you, you know, speak, speaking is like, it has like spells to me. Like, you know, you're like creating your own reality sort of. So like, and how that's gone for me is like, it's literally like, <laughs> like even to the, to the having this bike, like no matter how you end up with it, it's pretty wild. Like some of the stuff that like I've attracted by just saying that, like I was riding like, cause I, this is me driving like the old bike. And I, this is, you know, one of the bullet points was like, I'm driving a brand new, uh, MV Augusta, um, like my dream bike. And like now it's parked outside of here. You know, so I never thought that I would be driving that, you know, not at this stage in my life. Um, Just the power of words. Yeah, the, the power, power, of words. power of the thoughts that you put out. And you attract it. Well, like, yeah. It's funny. So many people talk about moving in silence, right? About not not speaking things until they're actually a reality. Yeah. And I've done nothing but the opposite. And it's worked for me. Like, hey, I'm going to do this. Hey, I'm going to build a podcast. I build a podcast. Hey, I'm going to start a boot camp. Because the more I share my idea, the more people come on board because they believe in my vision, right? Because right now I'm telling you about the boot camp. I don't have a solid plan to bring it back, but we're bringing it back, right? And so just this is a commitment right here. My words to this mic, to whoever's listening out there, and to you, to Gabe, I'd rather speak it into existence because then I'm going to have to be a man of my word and follow through, right? Or, damn, I really need somebody to help me with the finances of this business because I'm not a business major and this is the first time I own my own practice. I've only been in the game two years and there's things that I really need to learn. All of a sudden, my buddy Willie's working side by side with me. So cool, though. Yeah, and I just told it to uh, to Polo, who you met out there, yeah. and Maria. We were having an end-of-the-year meeting. I said it to them. I was like, I really need to find somebody because I know I can't do this by myself. And I know where my weaknesses are. And this is the type of person I need is they need to do this, this, and this. And all of a sudden, <laughs> so it's just, it's just cool. I, I really, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer just like you that words have, you could call it a spell. You could say words have power, the power of the tongue. Um, but I definitely believe speaking things into existence um, is is a practice that I unconsciously have developed, and I don't fear speaking something into ex or speaking about something, and maybe we fall short. Yeah, that's all good. We pivot and we find a different way. It doesn't mean you're a failure. It doesn't mean that you're not living up to your word. It just means that life happened and you have to readjust. So that's like the saying, like shoot for the moon. If you don't make it, you land among the stars. Yeah, same. Yeah. I, I going off what you said. I like I like what you said. Like you know, being a man of your word because, like a lot of people, a lot of people blow smoke. You know, so you saying that like yeah, like me speaking into an exist into an existence, is like, that's great because I feel like you can't trust anybody. They say they're gonna do something, they don't do anything. Yeah, but like you know, people like you, 
you know, I know you're going to do it, yeah. uh, you know. I have, I have respect for you, you know. Like, you know, the short time that I've known you, I'm like, yeah, you're obviously a man of the word, you yeah. know. You say you're going to do it, you do the thing. Yeah. You know. It's action. You have because I just believe that so many people hesitate to take action because they want perfection. They want to make sure everything is planned out perfectly. And I've learned, um, I want to say recently, man, I want to say in the last three years since I opened up this practice that it was more so like forget about the whole plan, start moving and readjust as you go. Yeah. You're going to hit walls. You're going to fail multiple times along the way. It's all good. Audible. Audible. That's exactly what you, that's the word that you told me earlier. <laughs> I said, yeah, I got fired from UM as a professor. And all of a sudden, I opened this practice, and you, the first thing that came out of your mouth was, "You audibled, bro." Yeah. And I was like, "That's true. It's audible, it is an audible. Yeah. You're a quarterback. You're you're there. You see the defense is lined up a certain way. You're like, hold up. You know, running up the middle is probably not a good plan right now. We could definitely throw a bomb. Yeah, Let's go for it. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Is is there anything that we've left out? Something that we haven't talked about that you find that you want to put out there? Actually, I got a question for you. Where? Okay. Because you, I feel like your life, you're, you're shifting, right? You're shifting a lot. You're getting back into modeling. Um, you're still coaching a lot. Where do you see your life going uh, over the next year, 2023 in December? And where do you think, I'm going to give you a, a, one of these typical job interview questions, which is where do you see your life like five years from now? Uh -huh. so, oh, man. <laughs> so uh, speak it into existence. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh <laughs> <laughs> here we go okay um no i uh <laughs> <what>? <laughs> yeah because it's gonna be me in a year right <laughs> it's gonna happen yeah okay yeah no i mean probably though like actually it will yeah you know because everything that i've spoken to exists is kind of like it it doesn't it doesn't happen overnight Everybody wants it to be a moment, like in the moment. No, but like as I've done that, you know, it has panned out that way. But um, I get uh, I get hit up about like you know, not that I want to be like I've aspired to be on a reality TV show, but I've wanted to. You know, I always get hit up for them, so I'm like, you know what, that could be fun. Like I'm definitely like a, you know, like Jim Carrey, yes man. You know, have you guys seen Jim Carrey? I yes have, man? yeah. Okay, so like. That's kind of how I am. I'm like, all right, let's do I, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Like, because it's going to be a growing experience. It's going to be a learning experience. What like, has stopped you up to this point from doing a reality show? No, I mean, I, I literally, uh, I got asked to do one, and then I went through the whole process, and then it was just like, you know, chose, you know, it didn't pan out gotcha. in, the, in the in the universe. So, um, but like then I, you know, then I realized it didn't pan out because like I learned more stuff about that show, and then I was like, yeah, I'm glad I didn't do it. I didn't belong on there, you know, like because like, you know, some of the stuff scammy too, you know. But it's a show that happened, and went through. But I have another one that I got hit up for, so I was like, you know what, like why not? Screw it. Like, if I can add it in at some month out of time, like, it'll be a cool, like, experience. So, for me, I'm like, yeah. So, I uh, they hit me up on Instagram, and then I, I replied, filled it out. And so, you know, we'll see. But that one's supposed to be on, uh, like, a major network. So, I'm like, yeah, okay. Like, if I get picked for it, that would be cool. Awesome. If not, I'm just going to, you know, run up the scene at 
at Rumble because Rumble's about to open up too. What's up with Rumble? I you've you've hyped up Rumble a lot. I've never been. Yeah, I'm pretty stoked about it. Actually, my first class is friends and family on this Friday. So if, you know, if anybody wants to go, 5 p.m. on Friday, this coming Friday. Yeah. Wait, this Friday, this week, today, this Wednesday. week, yeah, oh, 24th, February 24th. Yeah. That means you, you heard that you gotta get this episode out like now. Nah. This Friday, yeah. He said, no, no, that's cool. but uh, no, yeah, it, it's gonna be great. Like I'm really, I'm really looking forward to like coaching with them because Rumble's such a big name. And it's a cool platform, you know. Like, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of like a lot of steam behind it. Like, it's got you know they're going like all across the country now at this point. But we're in a big city. Like Miami is like they opened up New York, then they did LA. And then Both of them strong, mm -hmm. you know. And they're they franchise it, so it's like in Philly, like a bunch of other places. But Miami is like a mecca, you know. My name is a mecca for like for a lot of things, huh? So like this, this is like a this will be like a massive venture here. So I feel blessed to be like on the team, and it's like an all star stud lineup of people. So it's all like it's like a, we're already like a family. All the training that comes awesome. into it, but it's a different level of things. You're the DJ, you're the light person, you're the instructor. You're also controlling both slides you're running two sides of the room it's like you're running four things at once oh, i gotta check it out it's wild yeah it's wild yeah definitely have you out for a class with you, you guys you feel ready for it yeah i'm ready man awesome. i'm ready it's definitely gonna it's definitely scary right now to be honest why why do you say it's scary well it's like dude i've never taught something like this in my whole life like a lot of people can't teach this you know you gotta it's to try out you try out and then you're practicing. We've been practicing for months. You make time for it. And then it's like you're you're on stage. Like the spotlight is on you. Yeah, like, I've been to some gyms where it's obvious that it's very corporate. Um and it doesn't come across as natural, but then I've been to other gyms where you can still be yourself and de deliver whatever it is that they're expecting of you, but through your own style. Yeah. I'm just going to put it. I went to F45, right? Okay. Um, yeah. And it was whack, man. The yeah, workout man. itself was good, but like the cues and the trainers and everything that was going on around the room, I was like, man, this feels so corporate. It doesn't feel like. And I love the hit gym. And hey, all respect to Mark Wahlberg, but I just felt like eh, it was falling a little flat. It's good for somebody who's just getting into working out. Yeah. It's a, it's a good, um, the workout itself is good. I just, it was just, just you got to be there in your right. own mind, you yeah. know, like the yeah. trainer, the tra the, the trainer is not, it's just not, it's not a coach. It's just somebody that manages it, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Cause my, uh, my roommate, he used to coach at one of them, Yeah, but he coaches now at a couple other places, has a bunch of clients, but he used to work at one up North and he like, he's like, I'm done with this. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. not, a, you know, cool relationships with people, but it's not that type of, Jim Rumble is like, you know, it's a totally different thing. You're on stage with everybody. It's like fun. Like, you know, you got to have, like, it's all personality. You're literally creating a show for everybody. So it's not like everybody, you got to direct the workout, but you also got to entertain everybody. Yeah. You know, you got, it's a hot mic and you're talking to everybody yeah. running through it. No, but it was cool. I mean, like I said, when I took the class on Monday, 
I felt like you had great command of the room and it was like even the music, the tempo, the music that you chose for the warm up, everything I could tell was like, oh, this is very methodical. This yeah. was thought out because it was like the beats per minute for each song were going along with the rhythm that you wanted from us. Yes or no? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it was like every aspect of it, I was like, all right, cool. This guy, he really put thought I'm into this from, yeah, from beginning to end, which is, which is important. Yeah. Right. You're leading a room to motivate people. And if you can use the music to your advantage, uh-huh. totally use it to your advantage. Yeah. And it's so important to keep them hype. And also like the choice of music also matters. You're in Miami. So, uh, being culturally aware of what music works in what room, like the music that you use in Miami isn't going to be the same music that you use in Ohio. Yeah, that's a fact. Right? Yeah. You'll throw, you take the music. <laughs> Damn you, right. <laughs> <laughs> you take some reggaeton beats up there and they're going to be like, yeah, one or two songs. You throw three of them, they're like, yo, what is going on? Yeah, man? they're going to be so lost. <laughs> what happened? Who took over? Yeah. No, or they'll be like, damn, Cam left to Miami, came back, he thinks he's Hispanic. What's going on? <laughs> and so what about five years from now? Five years from now. Um, How old are you right now, Cam? I'm 30. You're 30. All right, cool. 30. I got a decade on you. I'll be 40 this year. 30, 30. 30, yeah. 30. Yeah. Dang. But yeah, you have young energy, too. Yeah. yeah. yeah no, I'm going to so. be 16 forever. It's all good. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, think I'm that's me, that. too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, salute to that. I'm down. Um, uh, gosh, I don't know, really. Yeah, I right. no, I mean, like I, I everybody's like, yo, you know, because I've been in the fitness market for so long here. People are like, yo, when are you gonna open up your own gym? When are you gonna do this? And I'm like, I don't know if I want to open up a gym. Yeah, you know, like I don't know what I want. Like I'm just kind of like, I have goals. I have stuff that I want to do. Um, but like, I don't know. I'm just kind of like floating through. Everything is just on an upward trajectory right now. Um, it's always been that way. It's always like, like sub out this gym for this gym, or like sub out this client for like a more top tier client. Like, you know, you, you know, you. It, it's always trying for me. It's always just a level up. Yeah. Always do better than I did yesterday. Mm. You know. Always put one foot in front of the other, and then. And, you know, just put my best foot forward, you know? So I know all of it's going to work out. Like, I've always known that. I always feel that way. I'm never worried that stuff is, you know, not going to pan out for yeah. me. So I don't know. I think, you know, I would like to have traveled to, like, a couple other countries. That's kind of the one of the big things, I think, in that time, that time frame. I want to have lived, around, you know, moved around the world you know, a little bit. Awesome, man. Awesome. Yeah, I think I'm with you. I, I definitely wanted. I, I was actually just planning a trip later on this year. Where are you gonna go? Um, we, we were between Lima, Peru, and Spain, and we were having a whole discussion that we're gonna meet up tonight to see where we're going. So, oh, that sounds sweet. Yeah, I was arguing for. I was like, "Do you guys want more culture shock? So we should go to Lima, Peru. If you guys want good food, cuisine, we go to Spain. I've never been to Spain, but I've never been to Peru either. But I've been all over South America. Um, Have you heard of? Uh, I have some friends that went down to Cusco, to Peru for uh, for ayahuasca ceremony. Oh, have you heard of those? Of course yeah, I have. Yeah, 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 yeah of yeah. course. Have you ever done one? No. Gosh, that's something I want to do. I don't know if I would do ayahuasca. People like urinate on themselves. <laughs> and, yeah, like 
There's maybe some other <laughs> You're things. You're like, I'm not down. Yeah, there's... <laughs> Am I gonna have people have, diaper? Some, people <laughs> have bad trips, man. Like, I, I think I would definitely consider the chemical substance that I would want to have some sort of experience with, and I can't say for sure. Ayahuasca is one of them. Yeah, interesting. Because I, you know... I'm I've not had... trying to feel like I'm dying. <laughs> like, I don't know. And it's like a long... It's a long experience. I've heard like eight, no, man, nine I'm hours. Good. My buddy who... <laughs> <laughs> what if like, you no? What if you bad trip for me. nine hours? Yo, you learn you learn stuff about yourself. All right, I'll videotape you while you're bad tripping. You tell <laughs> <me what's laughs> don't attract that to me. I'm gonna have a great trip. <laughs> when you come I'm back, taking on none of that energy. Like, Yo, write notes. Let me know what you learned. That's it. Good. I'll take a journal mid trip. Oh, yeah. Adrian said I gotta I gotta have notes for him. Okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> not uh, maybe I'll, I'll consider some other things not ay ayahuasca not ayahuasca gosh it helps you know but it's gotten people from like an alcoholic to like you know off of that my one of my old clients who's like ran a bunch of nightclubs in canada when did ayahuasca in peru and uh dropped his opioid addiction like you like i've heard that you face it's called mother ayahuasca because it's basically like you're going down a hallway and you're going down the hallway. It's a bunch of doors. You're walking down the hallway. And then the mother opens up the door. Do you want to deal with this issue? You look at it. It's like your addiction with this or this, that. And then if you want to deal with it, then you you open, you open that doorway, that can of worms, and you dive right in. Got to face it head on. You know so what I'm that. seeing right now in my mind? You ever seen Dragon, the Bruce Lee story? No. You haven't? Uh -uh. There's a scene where he's fighting this gladiator. It's like a... He, he goes into a dream state and there's all these mirrors and there's this, this huge samurai that he has to fight. And it's like, that's that's his, I guess, mother ayahuasca, whatever yeah. it is. And it's just a bizarre scene where that that's like his worst nightmare. That's what I'm picturing right now. So I'm going to oh. walk into a room full of mirrors and then he doesn't know which way the samurai is coming from because it's a room full of mirrors. So every time he's punching something, he's just punching, punching a mirror and he's not hitting anything. And before you know it, he turns around the samurai staring him in the face. So... Yeah, I don't know, man. I'm good. <laughs> I don't. I kind of don't want to face death until I have to. Uh, so interesting. But thanks for that I'll, suggestion. I'll, I will let you know. I'll <laughs> let you know because it's definitely on my bucket list. Awesome. It's definitely gonna get done. All right. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Let me know when you do that. <laughs> Take pictures. Bring me back a postcard. <laughs> hey, Cam. Um, it's been a pleasure, man. Hey, Jim. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, man, I really I, enjoyed this. I know. This. We we began as strangers. I feel like I know you a little bit more now. Yeah, um, cool. I, I knew you had good energy before I met you, so I, I kind of anticipated this this conversation. I don't know, just being like this, being uplifting. Yeah, yeah. I hope people get something out of this conversation. Me um, too. And and nothing, man. You're, you're more than welcome to be here whenever you want. Yeah, this is awesome. Thank you yeah. so much for having me on here. And what's up, everybody? All right, bro. <laughs> Take it easy, man. Wrapping it up, people. Take it easy. <laughs>